This is Speaking of Speaking. Quick tips and tools to take you from stage fright to spotlight. This podcast gives you an inside look from the world of public speaking and the speaking secrets you need to be bold from the stage, no matter what business you're in. The host of Speaking of Speaking, Carl Richards. Thank you, Matt. Yes, it's another edition of the Speaking of Speaking podcast. I am thrilled to have another special guest today. I have known this lady for, it seems like forever. I think we're brother and sister in a past life. <laughs> Holly Marie Conway is known as the speaking coach for entrepreneurs. We met long before she had that title. We actually met in Toastmasters. I think it was 101 years ago or something like that. Uh, she dismantles anxiety for those in business and lends power to their voice and voice to their power. Holly Marie, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Mm, always great to talk to you, Carl. And I know that your journey has been one of uh, one of many different trials and tribulations along the way. But the one thing that has been pretty much a stronghold, this love or this passion for for speaking, for for public speaking. Yeah, I remember. I actually started when I was nine years old, and I remember my, I remember my first speech. It was about two socks getting lost in the dryer. It's quite the saga. I even had visual aids. I had this little little drawing that I made of the socks in the drawer, and I brought it up to my class. And today we're talking about speaking in the entrepreneurial world because Holly Marie spends a lot of time working with entrepreneurs. Let's face it, the numbers don't lie, Holly Marie. I'm sure you'll agree with me. For every hundred entrepreneurs that say, I want to go into business for me, probably a good 90% of them don't make it past their first year. And it's because of, firstly, not doing their research, but a lot of it is just not knowing how powerful speaking and communication is in your business. It's it's very true. As you said, the numbers don't lie. And there's opportunities out there, but a lot of people, they fall into traps and they don't speak up for themselves. They think if I just go into business, a business will speak for themselves. But no, you have to speak up for yourself and your business and that you are the face. You have to keep going out there. When you say people fall into traps, what are some of the traps that you find they fall into? I find that they will downplay their own accomplishments mm. or the services that they apply. Um, they assume and no one should make assumptions about their audience. Even when you're in a conversation of one or doing your advertising, you have to realize that you have an audience and they might not know your backstory or what you offer. It's kind of hard for some people to decide what they will talk about because you can't continually talk and tell them everything, but you need to tell them enough about what you do and who you are, what you offer for them to be interested and for them to share your message as well. Do you think that another one of those challenges is, especially for a new entrepreneur, is the concept of, oh, I'm a new entrepreneur. I can work with anybody. One of the worst answers I get when I ask someone who's their audience or who is their market is everyone. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I want to take a rolled up newspaper and swat them because no, your market is not everyone. Your audience is not everyone. You need to understand who you are and who you're for and your ideal customer. You may get customers outside of that, but you need to understand your core before you can move on. 
And and big corporations know this. They've nurtured this over years and years and years. They know exactly who their clientele is. They know how to get in the doors. They know the messaging. They know the communication. They know the marketing strategies, all of those things. And, and one of those marketing strategies that a lot of entrepreneurs wrestle with, and I know you work with entrepreneurs on this in detail, is the elevator pitch. First off, let me ask you, do you still call it the elevator pitch or do you have another, another term for it? I have a completely different term for it. I find elevator pitches more for those in the employed world. I like people to know their origin story, just like superheroes in the comics. What drives you? What is your reason for getting up? What is your reason for going on when all the odds are against you? What is your origin story? How deep does that origin story go? Especially if you only have 30 seconds or a minute to tell it, how, how deep can that story get? It depends on the person Uh, and less is always best. That's why those Mm -hmm. 30 seconds are crucial because our attention spans and that's not a generation thing. That's a societal thing is Mm -hmm. quite short. You have to have different versions of your origin story. You have to read the room. Yeah. it, It all goes back to knowing who you are and who you're speaking with. I think you hit the nail right on the head there too. And the fact that, how many times have you been in a room where people are delivering their, let's call it the elevator pitch, just to distinguish between the two, they're delivering their pitch or their origin story, whatever it is. And you know, they're not hitting the target. You know, they're missing the mark oh, yeah. completely because, because they're <laughs> yeah. trying to talk to everybody and they're trying to spice up their, their pitch by saying, oh, in this month's a BOGO, you know, you buy one, you get one. Da, 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 or, mm-hmm. And that's just not, that's not authentic. That's not even giving the Simon Sinek says, start with why that's not giving the why behind the origin story. Yeah. Sales and things that's for people going to your website or to your store. Those are for the people who are on the fence about buying things. It's not for people learning about who you are and what you do. They need to know the core because even if they're not your customers, they need to be able to pass on your message so would you say the the main problem that you're solving when people come to you and say, hey, I need your help, is it solidifying that origin story? Even if they're not calling it that, they're coming in saying, oh, my pitch is horrible or, oh, my talk is awful. Are you helping them strengthen their origin story or is there something else that you're that you're working through with them? What we talked about the origin story and structure and everything, that actually ends up being secondary. The number one is dismantling anxiety. It's everyone. You could have someone that is the most confident, well, you believe is the most confident, people who are top of their field, people who are sought out. And then when I get to talk to them one-on-one, they are shaking. What I do is I dismantle it. Sometimes what they need is an outside voice to voice their concerns and to tell them it's okay. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to have concerns. Tell them that, you know, the boogie monster isn't real. And it's okay that you were scared, but we're not going to be scared anymore because X, Y, and Z. And it's a little different for everyone, but the core of it is anxiety. And I know that inside and out. As a person who used to stutter, and I quite often have that story when I'm on stage, if you remember what an, an actual real stage is, <laughs> we stood on stages and spoke to audiences. Uh, but I remember, you know, telling that story and I, I actually used to downplay it. I would just give the Coles notes version of it. Then 
I had a coach, Diana Lidstone, actually, she said, you got to tell more of that story. You have to tell people the whole story, give them the, give them the guts and the the grit that they don't want to hear, <laughs> give it to them so they know, and they feel it because when you're going through that anxiety, especially around speaking, you feel it in the moment, but we quite often dismiss it and just say, oh, that was, that was me then. Or I just don't do that right now. I, I don't do it. So how do you help people dismantle that anxiety? What are some of the things without giving away your core material, of course, but what are some of the things that you do to help them? Or what are some of the, the nuggets that you pass on to them? I ask a lot of questions. Uh, when I'm in these sessions, it's a lot of them talking and they don't realize what needs to come out. Uh, there are physical and physiological responses that we have, like it's not all in our heads. Um, it is in our heads and we should, you know, pay homage or respect that, but our body will have different responses. There's the flight, flight or freeze. And I ask what physically happens to you because what you're feeling is real. We need to go through it and understand why it's happening and how it can help you. Sometimes there are physical things that we can do to help ourselves to dismantle the anxiety. Also, acknowledging that it's going to happen is a big thing. I don't get nervous or anxious like I used to, but sometimes when I reach a big stage or something new or something that has consequences, yeah, I get nervous, but I now know how I react and I have different coping strategies and I find those for my clients as well. And that they may not have the same reactions that I do or I had, and that's okay. Cause I find out anyway, cause I just consume so much content on the matter, whether it's anxiety or speaking or pitching, I'm constantly learning because it's going to help my clients and I love working with them. And being a learning machine keeps oh, yeah. sharp, keeps them sharp uh, mm-hmm. and allows you to then, because as you're learning something new, you can pass that on to your clients and they're going to become stronger because of that. So mm-hmm. you mentioned something, uh, speaking of anxiety, it just popped into my head. So mm-hmm. I want to throw out a couple of those public speaking or anxiety myths. Okay. Oh, I just, I just want to hear your reaction. And remember, this is, this is a family friendly <laughs> podcast. Okay. So no, no you know, gratuitous F-bombs <laughs> dropped in, the, in this. Okay, okay. I so, promise. Okay. So, but seriously, you've probably heard these and maybe, maybe some clients have even said, well, what if I just do this? Yeah. And the first one that comes to mind is, okay, well, if you envision your audience you know, in their underwear or naked, that should help to calm your nerves and help you get rid of that anxiety. Your reaction is? It's weird. Don't do that. <laughs> It's uncomfortable for all of us. And I guess the question too is, does it really work? No, not really. And distracting, right? Once you get that vision in your mind, then that could totally derail Mm -hmm. your presentation. Even if it's only a 30 second pitch. Mm -hmm. All right. Here's another one. Are you, are you ready for this? Yeah. If you just stare right to the back of the room, don't look people in the eye, just look over their heads and focus on something right at the back of the room. If you're not making eye contact with them, you'll feel better and your anxiety will be lower. No. And that um, on two different levels, one, people may think that you have sensory issues that like, are is this person blind? Do they have low vision? Um, do they not know? 
they'll pick up on your anxiety. Also, if you're not interacting with the audience, you can't have that conversation and that not every part of a conversation is verbal. There are friendly faces in that audience. You need to connect with them. The audience is not your enemy. It's not, if I make eye contact, I'm going to be ripped apart by rabid dogs. No, you're going to find connection. Stop staring at the back of the room. I think the other, I think the other one too, that, and there's still some debate about this as well. And this isn't so much about anxiety, but it's about public speaking and and techniques. And a lot of people will do this to try and limit their anxiety. They say, if I just write out everything word for word, how I'm going to say it, then I'll be fine. Oh, I talk about this client. Okay. So a lot of entrepreneurs, they like to control everything and that's okay because they're the boss, but I have to tell them, don't adhere strictly to the speech. Write it all out. I don't stop people from it anymore. Mm-hmm. I get it. It's it's yep. a coping strategy, whether they believe it or not. But they'll often trip themselves up because if they didn't say the exact word at the exact time. And I tell them most of the time the audience didn't know that you made a quote unquote mistake. You make a very good point there because I know that that was my working in the broadcasting world, we, you know, I used to script everything out word for word. I know a lot of people do in the broadcasting world until they get comfortable with it. But then I joined an organization called Toastmasters. And when you start entering contests, you only have six to seven minutes to, Mm -hmm. you know, to get your speech in or you're eliminated quite possibly because of, you know, content being too short or too long. Uh, But it doesn't leave for that audience interaction that sometimes Sometimes those magical moments come from the audience. So if everything is scripted, how do you bring the audience in? You don't. This has been a great discussion. Holly Marie Conway is my guest today, the speaking coach for entrepreneurs. I wanted to talk about, before I let you go, I wanted to talk about stories. We've talked about the origin story. Mm -hmm. How powerful above and beyond the origin story, how powerful are other stories that entrepreneurs should be telling as they go about talking about their business, whether they be client stories or just other stories that they come across in their, in their daily lives and their entre- in their entrepreneurial world. It's incredibly important. Um, stories connect us. We've always been storytellers and that my sister was my first audience and I didn't realize how much me being a storyteller with her, including the voices, um, and my very exuberant gesturing. If you have ever met me, I'm multilingual with a hearing disorder. So you kind of notice me when I get start talking, but I didn't realize it till we were adults. And she was telling me like so many memories of her with me. And we have a 10 year split is related back to stories. And then you even see relating to business, people tell story whenever they're doing ratings or talking about products and that whenever there's a story involved, people pay attention. It stops being about sales and starts being about connection and it stops being so much a business about money or even the corporate world gets it so much. If you're telling a story, even in 30 seconds, it it strengthens those relationships. And what's funny is it doesn't have to be your story. Your story is always the best one. But I remember, for example, working in the insurance world not so many years ago. And I remember the CEO of the company telling a couple of stories, telling the story of the Wright brothers and telling a story about, you know, entomology, the 
the fleas jumping in the box. And so those are not his stories. No, he's not an entomologist. And he, he wasn't there when the Wright brothers <laughs> flew their first plane out of Kitty Hawk. I mean, but he shared those stories and the connection to it was related to the audience in that moment. And I think that's a big thing that you've said, the power of not just the story, not just the origin story, not just eliminating the anxiety, preferably without envisioning your audience naked or ignoring them, but the power of the connection. Well, you have to think Hamlet, the story isn't told by Hamlet. It's spoken by Horatio. I've said this and I haven't shared this with many people. So this is a worldwide exclusive to Carl, but I tell myself, be Horatio, not Hamlet. Hamlet Mm -hmm. dies in the story. Horatio lives on and tells the story and continues on with life. Be Horatio. That's a great message to, to pass on to people. So thanks for sharing that today. Also, if people have any questions or they want to connect with you after today to find out more about you, you have a website. Strengththroughspeaking.ca. And we'll be posting the direct link in the show notes. So again, strengththroughspeaking.ca, the link in the show notes after today. Before I let you go, Holly Marie, final thought. A strong, confident voice leads to a strong economic power. Holly Marie Conway, the speaking coach for entrepreneurs and a dear friend for, again, I'm not going to try and figure out how many years it's been. (laughs) Many. Many. But thank you so much for taking time and chatting with us today and sharing your sharing your words of wisdom and inspiration. And remember, get out there and own the platform. Thanks for listening to the Speaking of Speaking podcast. Fired up about something you heard today? Want to learn more? Be sure to visit carlspeaks.ca. And don't forget to follow Carl on Twitter at carlrichard72 or join the Facebook group Speaking of Speaking. 